From the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, this is Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. Injured in Georgia? Make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. Injury Insider is presented by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs. Hello and welcome to Injury Insider with Derek Hayes on Business Radio X. This show will answer legal questions and debunk personal injury myths with insight and expertise. For nearly 25 years, Derek Hayes has represented injured parties in Georgia. Now he'd like to put that knowledge to work for you. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the Senesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. But I would like to introduce the star of our show. Good morning, Derek. Good morning. Good to be back in the studio. It is good to be back. Before we begin, a quick reminder that Injury Insider is brought to you by the Shops at Status. That is your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs. And by the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Injured in Georgia, make the right call to the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. That's some sound effects for you right there. <laughs> yes, it is. All right. Well, it is great to be back. Welcome back. We took a month break from Injury Insider. Now, our listeners may not know that because podcasts live forever, right? right? But we had to take a personal break. Yes, we did. We are finally back in studio again. You made the comment to me this morning, you hated to pause the show. I know I felt like that. It was necessary, but uh, why was the break so necessary for you? Well, as you and I both know, our summer has been nonstop. And that's I, it. Yes. It, the month of July was just crazy. Um if you don't know, Lita and I are a couple. We got engaged, but we also, too, have bought a home together. We're doing renovations. We have kids. We have kids home from college. We've had all kinds of things going on. Um, but we've been blessed with the opportunity to represent many new clients um, over the course of this, you know, this, this kind of pause. Uh, I've even signed up a couple of repeat clients. So things are still moving at the firm. Uh, as COVID-19 restrictions began to lift in many of the counties here through George, throughout Georgia, and Georgia's where we're located, uh, my workload has followed that. You know, the, the courts are opening back up. Things are starting to happen. Uh, courts aren't completely open, but litigation work is moving again, and negotiations and cases that kind of paused with the shutdown are starting to get back to normal. Well, I can speak to that. Being your partner... Uh, Derek is extremely busy. I think I made the comment to you. Uh, you were just saying, oh, tell me about your day. You know, signed up a new case, signed up a new case. There was one week, what, two weeks ago that you had a new client come in or, or a new case every single day. Every single day. Exactly. That's a, that's a very busy yeah, week. And that's also, too, <laughs> to some extent, indicative of the fact that people are back on the roads again. You know, there was a period of time where there aren't as many cars on the road and therefore not as many wrecks. But as people return to work and things are kind of sort of getting back to normal, uh, that means the roads are, are congested again and more wrecks are happening. So there is that. But just this week alone, I received three separate mediation orders from judges. Now, today's only Wednesday. Yes. And I've already received three mediation orders in cases that are pending, which none of this was really happening during the COVID shutdown. And even some of my cases that are pending in federal court, uh, which has really been slow, those are starting to move again as well. So I kind of think, too, the routine of school starting back up and uh, fall sports, high school sports, all those things will be a welcomed relief for almost everyone. I know for me and really for you as well, Absolutely. we're, we're kind of happy to get back in a routine. 
Uh, we're in August right now, and um, you know there is somewhat of a concern that there's a looming shutdown again. We hope not. Well, with the numbers spiking and the hospitals being full, that's it. Know, that's what's being reported. That's the big concern. Yep. It, it does. Um, you know, if it does, we, we at my firm, we've developed really what I think is the perfect system for continuing to look after our clients, to meet their needs, to make sure their individual cases continue to move forward, even if we do have this shutdown. With technology today, it's amazing what all you can accomplish from home remotely. Over the course of a year and a half, you've covered a lot of personal injury topics on Injury Insider. You've given us my personal favorite shows, which are the crazy lawsuit shows. You've also answered many listener questions. I understand that today will be a little different. Today is more about educating, and you do some shows like this where you're going to teach us, and we always appreciate these. Uh, today we're going to talk about jury duty, and I want to know, why did you choose today's topic? Why do you want to talk about jury duty? Well, partly because I think jury duty gets a bad rap from most everybody. You, you hear people, in fact, as an attorney now doing this for 25 years, I can't tell you how many times I've had friends, even family members call and say, hey, I got a jury summons. What can I do? Can you write me a letter? Can you call a judge? Can you call somebody for me? <laughs> get me out of this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So again, I think it gets a bad rap. And when people get a jury summon summons, it's usually met with that exasperated sigh or the rolling of the eyes and, oh, no, why me? And it's it's an inconvenience. Um, it isn't the perfect way to spend a few days or even, you know, a few weeks or potentially a few months, depending on the kind of case you get uh, selected for, if you do get selected, but it is essential. Uh, to our courts and legal system in this country. Without jury trials and really the willingness of citizens to serve as jurors, our system of law and order would, wouldn't you know, be non-existent. It's not, it wouldn't be the same, period. Why are jury trials important? Well, very simply, uh, jury trials provide us with the best possible way of achieving justice. And that's the word, justice. How can we achieve justice? Um, there are way too many terrific reasons to list all of them when it comes to jury service and and jury trials. Um, It doesn't matter if it's a civil case or a criminal case. A jury is there really to determine what it takes to compensate someone in a civil case or to make them whole again is also a way we refer to it. Uh, Also to right a wrong in a civil case. In a criminal case, a jury is um, really they have the responsibility to determine if someone is guilty of a crime. And if they are guilty of the crime, is it worthy of the, that accused person losing some of their freedoms or their rights? Or if the person is not guilty, uh, are they worthy of keeping their freedom and, and keeping their rights? You know, you're, you're going to be sending somebody away to serve time in that criminal case. So it's, it's extremely important, um, the responsibility that comes with being on that jury. So without a jury, that determination would rest on the shoulders of maybe a judge or potentially a few people. Well, let's talk about Georgia for a few minutes. That's the state we are located in. What qualifies you to serve, anyone to serve on a jury in Georgia? So in in Georgia, our our code section specifically says you have to be a U.S. citizen. That's number one. Secondly, you must be at least 18 years old. Thirdly, you have to understand English enough to understand and discuss the case. So when you're in a jury room, Uh, After the case is over and done with, you're deliberating, you've got to be able to understand and communicate with everyone else in that room. And English is the language of choice when it comes to um, our court system. Next, you have to be a resident of the county where you've been summoned. 
So if you live in, say, Fulton County, which is Metro Atlanta, and you get summoned for some reason to DeKalb County, well, you can't serve in DeKalb County on a jury because you don't reside in that county. Um, also, too, there's a, I guess you'd call it a protection. If you've already served jury duty in, in a 12-month window, you cannot be called back to serve duty, jury duty a second time within that 12 months, or a grand jury even. Um, you cannot be under a conservatorship, meaning that you have to be of sound mind uh, and someone who's able to be independent, not uh, someone who is um, under a conservatorship where someone else has to take care of their financial affairs and everything in their life. Next, you can't serve if you were convicted of a felony. Georgia still has that rule in place. There are other states that are looking to try and lift that requirement. But in Georgia, if you've been, been convicted of a felony or also what we call malfeasance while holding a public office, in other words, if you were accused of and proven to have accepted bribes or done, some, done something that qualifies as malfeasance while holding a public office, you cannot serve on a jury. And in Georgia, no one, and underline those two words, no one is exempt in uh, Georgia uh, because of their job, their race, their color, their religion, their sex, their national origin, their sexual orientation, or even their economic status. So if you say, well, I can't serve because of my job, it doesn't work in Georgia. It may be something you bring up to a judge regarding a project you're involved in or a specific reason your job prevents you from serving, but it's not automatically a reason for you to not serve or not attend uh, when you've been summoned for jury duty. Sure. Uh, is it my understanding you have the opportunity in, during the jury selection process to say, this is why I can't? Yes, yes. So, I'll give you, you know, I wasn't going to break into too many stories until the end, but I do want to kind of throw one story out there right now because it reminded me, I've been called twice for jury duty. Now, no attorney would ever select another attorney to be on their jury, and there are many reasons why, but twice I've had to appear in my home county uh, for the jury selection process, and the day, one of the days I got called, the first time I got called, I sat in the jury assembly room, and you're sitting elbow to elbow in rows and rows of chairs, and it's even standing room only, and I happened to be seated next to a pregnant lady. That's where my number fell, and we had to sit in numerical order, and the lady next to me was pregnant, and she was very obviously pregnant. And just in uh, kind of striking up a conversation, because I'll talk with anybody, um, she found out I was an attorney. And the first question she asked was, well, I'm pregnant. How can I get out of this? And I said, it was, all you need to do is just answer the questions. If there's a reason why you can't serve, Your Honor, I'm pregnant. Uh, in fact, her due date was, I think, two weeks later from the day that we were there. She was that pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I said, if you tell a judge you're due in two weeks, I guarantee you, number one, he's, he or she will let you go. And if the judge doesn't let you go for that reason, there's not an attorney out there that's going to select you to be on their jury, knowing full well you're that pregnant and, and your due date's two weeks away. Well, especially if the case went long, that, right? Exactly. There's no guarantee yeah. how long Even if you it's would a day be long tied case, up in jury duty. You know, jury duty can be stressful. It mm -hmm. can be very uh, intense at times. And, you know, if it's a criminal case, you're... Uh, struggling with the idea of sending some away, so sending someone away to serve time. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to put that kind of stress on someone who's no, that pregnant. Definitely. I wouldn't. As an attorney, I wouldn't dare select someone like that. Well, I've never been selected. And I really want to be. I, I do. I know. Why I've heard you say never that. called me? Summon me. Who's listening? Anyone that could uh, go through <laughs> the chains? I want to do it. You've heard that phrase. Be careful what you ask for. I And then... 
I really want a long case. I want a criminal <laughs> case. I just, I'm fascinated by it. I really am. I'm do you want to be sequestered where you're stuck in a hotel room for? Fine. That would be well, like vacation. What am I going to do? Take care of the kids. <laughs> Have fun. That, well, I would enjoy this. I really would. Depending I'm, on the order of sequestration, you may not even be able to talk to me on the phone. Okay. Well, just because you're, you're already <laughs> at the worst part. I, no one's even called me ever. And I really want to be. But here's, I have a question. Would an attorney pick the wife of an attorney? Doubtfully. Oh. Doubtfully. And, and so my chances why. just got slimmer. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yes. Well, we're not married <laughs> exactly. yet. All right. So I still have a shot. Well, one, of the, a questions, few more months. one of the questions they'll likely ask during the, the voir dire selection is, uh, the voir dire process is, is there anyone here who's related to or very close to someone mm-hmm. with a legal education or as, as an attorney. My and hand would go up. That's it. Absolutely. I would say I think I'm really smart. And I am the host of Injury Insider. <laughs> so there's right. my legal education. Right, right, exactly. That that would knock me right out of there. So uh, this is not why I want to be on jury selection. I want to do it for the experience and the and knowledge the and the thrill because I am fast. Even if it's boring, I'm still fascinated by the process of the law. But I have heard that you get paid if you are selected. Is that true? Yes, it's true. You do get paid. um, Even in Georgia, if you don't get picked for a specific jury, the fact that you had to report uh, when you get a summons for that first day, I think the current amount is 15 bucks a day for your first day. So yeah, you're getting paid $15 (laughs) for an entire day. Exactly. That's it. And no, they don't provide lunch. You're right. So that 15 bucks sends you to the courthouse and you may be stuck there all day. And that also means you may be eating in that uh, cafeteria at the courthouse, which depending on what courthouse you're in may or may not be a good thing. Uh, But if you do have to come back more than one day, it does bump up to $25 after the first day. So you're not going to make money by having to serve jury duty. Uh, And your employer, on a side note, your employer does not have to pay you for the day that you miss from work. They do have to allow you to go but they don't have to pay you your normal salary or hourly rate for a day. If you miss three or four days because of jury duty, you're not going to get paid by your boss unless they're nice and, and want to do it. Right. You're only going to get the 15 bucks for the first day, the mm-hmm. entire day, and 25 bucks for any day after that. So if you're on a grand jury, which is a little bit different, it is a little more money. I think it's like 40 bucks a day currently here in Georgia. Uh, as I said, your boss can't fire you because you have to show up for jury duty they can't demote you uh they don't have to pay you but you can't be fired or demoted and as far as the comment about never being selected that process is 100 percent random so there are a lot of people that are never going to be called ever hmm well i had written a little side note here as you were talking because like you mentioned you've been selected twice Yes. I've never been selected. Yes. And I, friends, I've, you know, teacher friends, and they'll say, oh, you know, I've been selected three times. It is completely random. Correct. Correct. Oh, you may okay. remember this. The second time I got the jury summons, I kind of forgot about this. It was a little over a year ago. And the date of my jury summons was also the date that I was moving my son into college. You remember that? I do. I think it was daughter. Oh, daughter. Yeah, you're yes. right. You're right. So it was two years. It was two mm-hmm. years ago. That's right. It was her. So I was moving my daughter back to college. Yes. And so I had to write an affidavit and swear under oath that that's where I was going to be and present that to the clerk to allow me to be removed from my summons for that specific day. 
we'd already, you know, obviously booked a hotel room with all those things that needed to be done to get her moved into college. So they, they took me off of that week. They did put me on another week because you're not just simply removed completely. They, they are excusing you for the week that you were called for to then put you on a different week. And that's what happened. But it turns out it was the same day that I was set to move her in. So now that we have talked about the background a bit, take us through a day as a potential juror. What happens when you report to the courthouse? So this is typical for almost any county, whether it's in Georgia or any other county. You'll report to the actual jury jury assembly room in your courthouse, depending on what county you live in. Uh, generally, they'll have you sign in with a clerk and they'll have a list of all those people that are on the jury list for that week. And they'll check you off. Then you'll sit there and wait and you'll wait. And you'll wait. So you're waiting for your name and potentially your number to be called as a juror to appear in a courtroom for the jury selection process. Uh, you may or may not even go into a courtroom. You may be sitting there all day and never have your name or your number called, depending on what's happening. So a judge may have two attorneys in the courtroom going over pretrial motions, over things to get ready for the eventual jury selection process, and it may wind up taking all day. So as a juror, a potential juror, you may be sitting in the assembly room and never get called until the second day or even the third day. So I always recommend if you are called, take a book, you know, a book that you want to read, your tablet, a laptop, something to keep you occupied. So, well, let me stop you right there. Are you allowed to bring electronics? In Can most you counties. have a phone? In most counties, yes. Okay. In, in the so assembly that, room. In the assembly room. Not if you're picked as a juror. Okay. You can still have your phone, but you're ne never allowed to have your phone out in a courtroom. Sure, I, I, that makes perfect sense. I just thought even in the assembly, um, yeah, they'll you, let can you, have, you can have a lot. Sure, because everything sure. is on your phone now. Yeah, all you're you know, doing so. is sitting there. Okay, and, I was just curious. Yeah, you know, most jury assembly rooms will have magazines. They'll have a TV in there. And, you know, the TV, usually the volume's turned down. You're just looking at pictures. And there's so many people in there. And in my home county, the jury assembly room, they're, they're usually 500 people or wow. more in there. Um, Which is why, explain this. It's self-explanatory because of COVID. This is why jury selection and, and that portion of the courts are closed, correct? Correct, correct. And that, that's really, you're right. Uh, so the jury assembly room, as I said, it's elbow to elbow. You're sitting in rows and rows and rows of chairs. It's standing room only. So with that in mind, there's no way to socially distance. Even if people are wearing masks, they're going to be sitting next to each other. Uh, if you do get selected for a jury, you're going to be sitting in a jury box with 12 chairs and 12 people. You're going to go to a deliberation room with a conference room table with 12 chairs and one bathroom. And there's really no way at all to socially distance. So the decision here in Georgia was made to stop all jury trials for an extended period of time. Um, but if your name is called, you will go into the courtroom and start the process that we call voir dire. All right. Stop right there. Explain voir dire. I don't know what that means. Okay. Well, voir dire is spelled V-O-I-R. That's the first word. Uh -huh. And dire is spelled D-I-R-E. Voir dire. It's pronounced voir. Voir. Dire. Dire. Voir it's dire. spelled voir dire. Okay. And we're in the South, and I'm sure it happens other places, but there are lots of, peop lots of people I've even heard attorneys say, we're going to do voir dire here in a little bit. <laughs> and it's not voir dire, it's voir dire. Uh, it's French that derived from Latin. It quite literally translates into speak. That's voir, to speak. It now means to see. But uh, the literal translation, translation is to speak. And then dire is the truth. So to speak the truth. 
Uh, it's the process that we as attorneys use to select a fair and impartial jury for whatever the particular case may be. During voir dire, the jury panel, which could be as many as 30 or 40 people, is questioned by both attorneys, both attorneys, the plaintiff and the defendant, um, in order to help them determine which ones would be best to hear their case. Usually judges will ask what we call qualifying basic questions, um, but the attorneys will ask more specific questions to understand a lot more about the backgrounds of those potential jurors. As an example, a qualifying question from a judge would be, uh, the plaintiff's attorney is Mr. Hayes. Does anyone here in the courtroom know Mr. Hayes or anyone that works at his firm? And if somebody raises their hand, uh, say it's juror number three, well, later on, the defense attorney will say, well, juror number three, you raised your hand when Judge John Doe said, does anybody know Mr. Hayes or anyone in his firm? Who specifically do you know? Do you know Mr. Hayes or is it someone that works there? So the general questions will come from the judge. Uh, and then the attorneys will ask a lot more specific questions to know a lot more about the jurors' basic beliefs, their prejudices, their experiences. Uh, and again, kind of the relationships they may have with anybody involved, whether it's the attorneys or the plaintiff or the defendant. Now, I'm talking about civil trials because that's what I do. Criminal trials, it would be the defendant or the prosecutor, obviously, or the victim of the potential crime. And, and these are all things that, that we have to do in order to do our job properly. I would absolutely be out because I know everybody. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. If you don't, don't go know them, anywhere, you're going to know somebody that knows them. Even I'm when sure. I travel. Remember, we were at Disney World and I'm waving at people in line. Uh, I don't. It's yes, just a thing. I've yeah. never met a stranger. And I, I don't. So, yeah, I'm out. I have no shot at this. Oh, well. All right. So give us some examples. What are questions that you would ask and why would you ask them? All right. So I'm a plaintiff's attorney. Like mm -hmm. I said, personal injury plaintiff's attorney. So my questions are intended to kind of weed out those potential juries that would be impartial to my client, to the plaintiff. So think about this one. Have you ever been a defendant in a case? If so, what kind of case was it? And what was the outcome? Now, I would ask that question because if somebody's been a defendant, that means they've been sued before. So automatically, my thought would be they're going to be prejudiced against the plaintiff because that's someone who, by definition, has sued the defendant. And they've been a defendant before, so they may not want to be impartial to my client because that's their way of getting back at the person that sued them, potentially. Um, so again, that, that's one of those. Um, do you, your spouse, or any close family member or friend work for an insurance company? If so, in what capacity? So as a plaintiff's attorney, we're suing the individual defendant, but there's an insurance company there that's provided the defense attorney and will eventually be paying that verdict. If they work for State Farm and State Farm is the insurance company for the person that I've sued, then the last thing I want is for somebody from an insurance company to be on that jury to give as little as necessary or potentially nothing at all to my plaintiff, even though they've been injured severely, just because they work for an insurance company. Interesting. Okay. Um, do you, your spouse, or any close family member or friend work for an insurance defense law firm? Very Again, important. Yes, goes that's hand in more self-explanatory. Because sure. they would be on the side of the defense attorney and the right. defendant automatically. Uh, same thing, you, your spouse, close family member or friend work for a medical office. If so, tell me about the job and what kind of facility is it? Because someone with a medical background is going to weed through 
the diagnostic reports, the, the treatment plan, the kinds of treatments that were done, and sometimes even the cost associated with that, and apply their own personal knowledge as opposed to simply listening to the facts that are being presented. Just because you work for a facility that a doctor's been doing it for a year and only charges X number of dollars to do a certain procedure doesn't mean that that's automatically what a doctor who's been doing it for 30 or 40 years, who's got tons of experience, should also charge. Again, there, there are little things like that that can make a big difference for my client. Um, have you ever treated with a chiropractor? Did you have success with those wow. treatments? Lots of people in car wrecks treat with chiropractors. Mm -hmm. It's very effective for treating car wreck, typical car wreck injuries. Sprains, strains, all those things that come with neck and back and shoulder and all those areas of the body that take that blunt force trauma. If someone has a negative opinion of chiropractic treatment, because their husband or their wife is an orthopedic doctor, or they just don't believe in chiropractic medicine. If they say, yes, I've treated with a chiropractor, I'll ask them, did you have success? If they say, yeah, that was great, I've recovered completely, it was wonderful. I didn't really know what chiropractic could do until I went through it myself. Well, that's someone that can put themselves in the shoes of my client and really appreciate the benefit of that approach to treating those kinds of injuries. That's really interesting that you, to go that deep. Yeah, to really you truly to get your answer. Right, okay. right, exactly. It's fascinating. And if somebody raised their hand and said, no, chiropractors are idiots. I think those guys don't know what they're doing. They hurt people. They don't help people. Well, at that point, they may have tainted my entire jury pool. And I might immediately turn to the judge and say, your honor, this jury pool's been tainted. Now that you know, juror number whatever has made the comment he or she made, uh, we need a new pool. And that's my way of... Again, trying to make sure that that kind of person who, just because it didn't work for them, doesn't mean it's not going to work for somebody else. But they'll be closed-minded to it simply because of their opinion. Sure. Very strong opinion, at least. Um, another one that a lot of people don't think about, are you a professional driver, such as a tractor-trailer driver, an Uber driver, Lyft, taxi cab, bus, or any of the public transportation um, driver? You know, so, Somebody that, that, for a living, they're behind the wheel of a car or a truck. The reason why, as a plaintiff's attorney, I wouldn't want them potentially on my jury is because they likely have been involved in a wreck at some point based on the nature of their job. If they have, if they say, yes, I'm a professional driver, I'm going to ask about their experiences. Well, yeah, I've been sued three or four times. Or, yeah, I backed into somebody, they were my blind spot. You know, uh, people, they pass too quickly or they're, they're, you know, cars cause the wrecks, not trucks. Again, there might be a tainted mindset to, uh, again, not be open-minded when it comes to hearing what happened to my client. Um, another one that's very important is you, your spouse, family member, or friend ever made a claim for personal injuries. They would understand what my client is going through sure. because they've been there and done that. Now, I guarantee you that's also likely the first one that the defense attorney sure. is going to strike from that list. <laughs> They're out of here. Yeah, they don't want them on right, there, but I do. Right, right. Um, and then this one is one that, that is important to ask. Do you believe that there are too many lawsuits filed by people injured in car wrecks? Hmm. If so, why? And if somebody raises their hand and say, yeah, I think so, I'll ask them why. Well, because, you know, our courts are logjammed with people that, you know, these personal injury cases, they're always filing these lawsuits. And then I would ask, well, do you understand that many times it's out of necessity because an insurance company has refused to pay a claim where they legitimately should have? And people don't think in terms of the fact that it's really the insurance company mm -hmm. that's not done what they should have done. And, you know, I say all the time, if insurance companies ever get religion, I'm out of a job. If cars ever stop bumping into each other, yep. I'm out of a job. But yep. 
Cars are never going to stop bumping into each other, and insurance companies, quite frankly, will never get religion when it comes to satisfying and settling claims appropriately. Uh, do you believe that jury awards are often too high? Do you believe that jury verdicts are often too low? It's interesting to hear what people have to say about wow. that. Um, do you believe that's morally wrong to sue someone? Because if somebody raises their hand, I don't want them on the jury. Because as the plaintiff, we are the one that filed the lawsuit. I want to hear what people say. Can I go with you sure. next time you do? Maybe I just want to hear. I'm yeah. so curious because you're asking all these questions and, and I'm sitting here in my brain. Here's how I would answer. This is what I would say. Yeah. But I want to know. I have heard so all curious. kinds of things to answers uh, to these questions. And there, there are many, many more. And obviously, we don't have time to go through a whole litany of these. But there's probably another 20 basic questions that I'm going to ask every time. Wow. Uh, but those are, again, just some of the basics. The, the time for voir dire, because people ask me, it can go for hours, it can go for days, depending on how uh, you know how important that jury is and how many times how pro high profile the case is. Well, what if someone is in a jury pool and they refuse to answer or they tell a lie? All right, there's two different questions. I'm okay. going to take them individually. Sorry, so, go no, that, back that's to the first one. If, so, if they refuse to answer a question. If I ask a question or the judge asks the question or even a defense attorney and someone says, I'm not going to answer that. Well, if they believe the question is too personal and they say, Your Honor, I don't want to answer that. It's, it's too personal. You know, one of the ones that we'll ask is sometimes, have you ever been arrested? And they don't want to tell everyone. They don't want to raise their hand in front of a whole bunch of people and say, yeah. If they do raise their hand, which they... To be honest, if they have been arrested, they have to raise their hand. And when I ask this specific question, I'm, I'm sorry, I really don't intend to pry, but it's important for me to know. You know, as an example, if they were arrested for DUI, which is a driving offense, obviously, mm -hmm. and the defendant in my case was also arrested for DUI that hit my client and injured my client, I want to know that their arrest sure. was for DUI. So if if I say, well, you raised your hand, indicated you were arrested, what were you arrested for? Well, I don't want to answer that. So if they think it's too personal, they can refuse to answer on, on those grounds. But here's the deal, though. The judge gets to make the determination as to whether or not they have to answer. So if they, you know, they, they raise their hand and they say that, the judge might find out why they, they think it's too personal. The judge could still say, uh-uh, I'm ordering you. You have to answer that. And they do, period. At that point, if they don't answer it, the judge can really hold them in contempt of court. They could be fined. They could be honestly sent to jail. All right, we'll take the second part. What if they tell a lie? Now, if they lie, that's a big, big, it's, it's still, uh, uh, you know, obviously you can't uh, refuse to answer, but this is even bigger if you lie. If you lie and the judge discovers that you've lied during voir dire, you can be held in contempt immediately and you will be thrown in jail. There'll also likely be a pretty stiff fine because the judge will explain to you at the very beginning the ground rules, you have to tell the truth. Remember, we talked about voir dire by mm -hmm. definition, to speak, speak the, the truth. truth. Yep. So that lie can and will likely lead to a mistrial if you're on the jury. And it's discovered during the course of the trial that as a juror, wow. you lied in voir dire. That means that it could be a mistrial, which is a substantial waste of time, mm -hmm. money, and really compromise the rights of the plaintiff or the defendant, especially in a criminal case. So if you lie and it comes to light that you did, you've created all kinds of problems for everybody involved in that case but really more so for you you're going to jail 
Well, it's very interesting. Who would have thought, I, I don't know, myself listening and your listeners, uh, that jury selection, there's so much to it, and it is interesting. And maybe it's the way that you explain all this to us, and I absolutely appreciate your time and your expertise. We are running short on time. Do you have one more quick story? Because that's the really fun part. Yeah, I had a couple, but I, 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 you know, between the two, I've already kind of touched on one of them yes. a little bit. So I'll kind of talk about the other one. So this one is just kind of an interesting personal story. Uh, I was selecting a jury uh, in Fulton County. This has been many years ago. And we went through probably about six hours of jury selection, which is not uncommon. It was a pretty big case. It was actually a death case. And so there were a lot, there were a lot of things to find out. And so the jury selection happened. I picked my jury and the defense attorney and I picked our jury. And uh, we went through the trial and the trial lasted two or three days, you know, just like any other normal trial would. About three or four weeks after the trial was over with, I got a call about a new case. And so I'm, I'm talking to the gentleman that called me and talk, finding out about his car wreck, finding out what happened to him and his injuries. And, I, and one of the questions I always ask when somebody calls the office, how did you find out about me? And the answer was interesting. He said, well, a few weeks ago, I was called for jury duty in Fulton County. And you were the plaintiff's attorney. I didn't get picked, but I saw you in the courtroom, and I heard how you handled the courtroom, and I thought, that's the guy I want to wow, be my attorney. Wow, look at you. So, it, it, it honestly, it, it was very nice to hear that, that he was truly in the jury pool. He did not get selected, and there were reasons why, but he thought enough of how that process went and how I apparently presented myself. and and represented the client in the jury selection process for that case, that his decision to call me was based on his experience in voir dire. Well, he made the right decision. And I encourage anyone who's listening, uh, if you have a personal injury and you need Derek's assistance, I'm going to turn it over to you to close the show with telling all of your listeners how they can reach you, how they can submit questions for the podcast, and more importantly, how they can submit uh, if they have an injury and they need representation. Yeah, we'll start with the basic. Call me. <laughs> Call me anytime. Uh, I actually do get on the phone with everyone that calls regarding a potential new case, so you'll speak directly with me. My number is 404-777-HURT or 678 678- Two two five zero nine seven zero. That's my office number. You can also too go to my website. It's uh, Derek D E R E K. The letter M as in Matthew, and then Hayes is H A Y S. So Derek M Hayes dot com. On my website, there's a chat feature. You can chat directly with us at the office regarding a potential potential claim. You can also submit information that'll come directly to me. I'll be the one to respond to your email or call you directly. And you can also see the podcast tab there. So if you want to submit a question for the podcast, feel free to do that. Uh, you can also find me at Facebook, Law Office of Derek M. Hayes, or Instagram, Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Thank you so much for joining us on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes, presented by Status Home Design, the Shops at Status, and the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Don't forget that you can enjoy any of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. This program is also available on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, for Derek Hayes, I'm Lita Brooks, and you've been listening to Injury Insider on Business Radio X.